And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, y'all. It's great to be back with y'all here at Grace this morning and to be able to break open God's holy word with each and every one of y'all. Before I begin, I just want to say that it is an amazing privilege um, to be the seminarian here at Grace. I always brag to my seminarian colleagues about just what a wonderful place this is. I say, you know, it's like this place is a community center for this whole village and the way that we open ourselves as a church parish and it's amazing, it, it reminds me very much of in medieval times when cathedrals would also act as community centers uh, for the local villages that cathedrals were present in at the time. And I am always love that fact about this place and how special it really is. Um, and I'm very humbled for the fact that I get to serve as your seminarian for another year. Uh, I really, really would have really thought, excuse me, whoa, I uh, would have really thought that y'all have said, get out, this is crazy Louisiana, get them out of here. We don't want them anymore. And we are crazy down in Louisiana, so don't remember that, so remember that. But I'm really grateful to be a part of this church, and I'm, I'm mindful of that, uh, with especially yesterday as we celebrated the Elgin and, the, um, and Marcus's um, wedding. And it was just a wonderful, beautiful symbol of the love that Christ has for the church. Um, And it was really embedded in me in what Weston spoke about. Um, And it's just a really amazing space and place. And the graciousness of Marcus's and Khaki's family uh, just really made the gospel come alive for me yesterday. Um, And I can't tell you how grateful I am to each and every one of you for your continuous prayer Um, and the messages that I got via text and email during my CPE journey. It was quite a slog in in Houston this summer, and I'm grateful for the support that each and every one of you gave to me. And I mean, isn't that what church is supposed to be about? It's about loving one another, supporting one another as a family. Um, And I'm so proud of the work that this parish community does. I remember reading Weston's post on Facebook uh, to the letter to our parish um, and just was reminded about the remarkable work that this parish is engaging in for this village, for this county, for this region. Um, And I was reminded about all the great things and the love and the welcome that you have shared with each and every one of me. Um, And I felt compelled um, as a matter of saying thank you for how much this parish has supported me. to make a pledge to this parish as a thank you, um, because y'all really have supported me through a very fundamental point and process of my life. And this is just a little way of saying thank you to each and every one of you for your love and support of me. And I know what you're thinking, get on with the sermon, we got places to go, people see, things to do. And I am. And so this morning I want to talk to us today about what it does mean to be church. More specifically, I want us to talk about what it means to be an apprentice or a disciple of Jesus. And in order to do that, we're going to look at the Philippians reading from our epistle today just a little bit closer. I know what you're thinking. Us Episcopalians love to hate on Paul. And I think the Lord is calling me to a special ministry to convert Episcopalians to loving Paul. So just keep that in your mind while we're going through the sermon today. But I do want us to take a look at Paul. And if you have your worship leaflet with you, you might want to have it because I'm going to be referencing uh, the epistle reading today. 
And if my New Testament professors could hear this, they would be saying, oh, Austin, we should have given you an A plus instead of the A minus that I got. It's a big deal, y'all. Now, I'm not trying to secretly make us Baptists, or maybe I am, but in that same vein, I do want to us uh, to invite all of us for homework this week to actually read Philippians all the way through. I think that it has something to tell us as a church for today. It'll only take you about 15 minutes. I checked on YouTube. You can listen to it if you want to, if you've got a little bit of a commute. But let's set the stage for our reading today in the Church of Philippi. Paul's letter to the Philippians is known in church world as the epistle or the letter of joy. In this letter, Paul, who is writing from prison, is seeking to encourage the church of Philippi and to help them stop quarreling with one another. He is seeking to remind them that as apprentices and disciples of Christ, that they need to remember Jesus' witness to the world and all that he did. It's to heal people. It's to welcome the stranger. It's to preach the good news of the kingdom of God that death no longer has power over us. Instead, our friends in Philippi that we meet today are acting nothing like apprentices of Jesus. Instead, some in the church were not welcoming the stranger, are providing a community of mutual love and support, intending to those who are in need both spiritually and physically. In fact, they were looking to make it hard for people to join the church, and they were more concerned about their own selfish ambitions. This is where Paul is writing to. This is where we're encountering the Philippians in our reading today. Now, let's look at Paul's letter to the Philippians, starting at the first three verses, right? If there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being a full accord and a one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Friends, we in the American church, I think, need to hear this message today. I'm afraid that many in the church have become too concerned with our own selfish ambitions of what we think church should be or who should be led into church or how we need to be involved in the community or what political party we need to be able to support to be a good Christian. I am reminded by the witnesses of many Christians that I have encountered not to be good witnesses of Christianity And I'm reminded of the quote that Gandhi once said. He said, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are nothing like your Christ. I hate to say it, brothers and sisters, but I think Gandhi's right. People are leaving and aren't willing to come to church because we live in a more secular society, which is true. Or some notion that Christianity is irrelevant, which is a lie. No, people are leaving the church because they experience nothing different in the church than they do outside in the world every day. People today of my generation and the ones coming after me are yearning for spiritual, uh, spirituality and for places of authentic, real, and tangible love, love and discipleship to Jesus. 
I often show this to my seminary colleagues and to people that are like, oh, the youth of today want nothing to be engaged with spirituality or church or anything that has to smell of religion. And I often show this conference where 20,000 young Catholic college students went to this conference last January in St. Louis. It's the largest attendance of their history in this conference. And this is post-COVID, right? These are when people aren't supposed to be interested in church anymore. People are yearning for love and healing and support and real authentic Christian community. And they want to know and want to believe that there is new life in Jesus Christ. At least that's what I yearn for. And many of my generation want that too, because I've talked to them. They are just not being invited or welcomed into church. And the witness that they get from many Christians is not the authentic gospel of Jesus Christ. As I said earlier, I have felt so much love and support from this community here at Grace. And I am so grateful for that. I love the feeling of when we come up to be able to receive communion together at the, at the rail, how much of a family it feels like, and the love and support of when we have small kids and people helping out the small children receive communion. I wish people had that same experience, and I yearn for people to have that same experience that I have of this place. But I wonder how Paul's letter to us today might be an encouragement to start changing some of the attitudes and assumptions that we have about church. Many of you have told me about uh, people who are, feel intimidated by our church. Maybe it's because we've got stone walls or have certain assumptions about grace. And I have to tell you, I, I've been amazed by some of these assumptions because it's been totally opposite of what I've experienced here, which has been love, grace, joy, peace, and support, what Christian community is supposed to feel like. And again, I wonder how Paul's letter might be for us today to encourage us to start looking to change some of those assumptions in this community about our church. And I think we've actually started on that road. We have peas and grace. We have the wood ministry that has been a long staple of this community. And we have Grace Montessori School, which is opening itself up to young children and family to find community and education. And we even opened ourselves up in this last summer to have a back-to-school market, and just the amazing music program that invites people into the sacred space that we have here to be able to have maybe an encounter, not like what we have here on Sunday morning, but with an encounter with God. I know that in these spaces and places during some of the music programs that I've had here, I've had deep spiritual experiences, and I think that's a great starting point. But how can we welcome more people into experiencing what we have here at Grace the love and good news that I've experienced and many of us, you who have talked to me, have told me about and the witness of this place. I think for the church at large, but I think for Grace too, I think it collectively starts from learning to do better. I think we can always do better. I'm always looking to challenge myself to see how can I better, be a better disciple of Jesus? How can I know him more? How can I follow him much more closely? and doing what he did. I think Paul tells us that. In verse 5, he says, Let us be in the same mind of Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking the form of slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form. And he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, 
even to death on a cross. This first excerpt that I just read from you is, comes from th- something that is known as the Christ hymn. It is really one of the oldest confessions of faith that we have in Scripture. And I think it's important to be able to read this because it shows us what early Christians believed about Jesus and what they believed that they were supposed to be molded in as disciples. Be of the same mind of Christ. And in order to be of the same mind in Christ, we ourselves have to know Jesus. And we get to know Jesus more and more by reading his words and by hearing what his deeds were. You know, in my Catholic days, we were always thrown these saint quotes, and one of them came from St. Jerome. Now, St. Jerome is very pivotal in Christian history because he translated uh, the Bible from Greek into Latin, which would have been the common tongue at the time. So he's quite important in our history. But St. Jerome said this, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. And we have many ways to be able to encounter Scripture. We encounter Scripture here in the church together. But there's also individual reading plans that one could engage in on a daily basis where it gives you little snapshots or maybe more of a fuller form program. There's also ways that we can encounter Jesus through shows like The Chosen, right, which is a free show that one could stream, talking about the life and ministry of Jesus, and it makes it real. It makes the Bible come alive in a really good form and medium. And we get to know Jesus more by being in prayer. St. Teresa of Avila, that great mystic of the church, said, prayer is nothing else more than just being in terms of friendship with God and Christ. And the second thing, we get to know Jesus by being in community. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. We can't do discipleship alone. We need each other. If you look down towards the end of our epistle reading today, Paul gives us this line, and it says, what does it say? It says, but much more now in you is my absence. Work on your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you. Work on your own salvation The interesting thing about this little verse right here is when Paul says your salvation in the original Greek which this was written in, yours is actually a plural form. What it probably would say, and this is my lingo coming from South Louisiana, y'all, the church, need to work on y'all's salvation, right? Salvation is not referring to heaven or a time in the future. It talks about salvation in its etymological root, right? The base of that word is salve, which is healing. We need each other to be able to lean on one another so that we can be healed by Jesus Christ. And I'm becoming more aware that as I grow into this leadership role into the church, as I move much more closer to priesthood, that I can't do this alone. Um, Just like everyone else, I need people to be able to lean upon. And we are called to be humble. Humble. This word means a lot to a lot of people. But I like what Weston calls about humility and humbleness, right? It's being close to the ground, right? Back to the source and to the center. Jesus is not asking us to deprecate ourselves in a way. But just like Jesus, we are called to humble ourselves as he did. We as Christians are called, if you remember in Scripture, 
to be the ones who serve, not the ones who are served. I think in our context, and we're engaging this already, what more could we be doing? But in our context in the plains, we are meant to serve and to build up each other and this village. We are meant to be its ministers and its healing agents. And the last thing that Christ him tells us is that Jesus took up his cross. We have to be prepared to take up our cross, um, our crosses every day. If you look, the reason why this church is formed in a cruciform shape in the form of a cross is because we are a people that carry our cross daily. Our architecture and our church tells us something. And that we're supposed to welcome the stranger, the one who comes through the doors, even if they're a village outcast, right? That's cross work. In taking up our cross, we have to be prepared to engage in the work of bringing and living out the good news of Jesus Christ. And we have to be prepared to be ridiculed, judged, and excoriated, and possibly persecuted. In taking up our cross, I, I think of a saint by the name of St. Maximilian Kolbe, who at the time was in a death camp, and there was an escape of prisoners from that death camp. And every time that there would be a prisoner escape, the Nazis would round up people to go and uh, to the starvation bunker or the gas chambers. Well, at this point in time, the Nazis um, put people in the um, starvation bunker. And while they were rounding up these people, this guy says, please have mercy on me. I've got a wife and a young child, and I can't leave them. And Maximilian Kolbe, hearing this, said, I'll go in his place. Or I think of Corrie Tamboon, a Dutch Reformed woman who forgave a Nazi soldier who came up to her 45 years later after the events had taken place. This woman who saw this Nazi soldier strip his sister down, her sister down and carried her off to the gas chamber to be killed. Now this is hard work, and I know that Setting these two examples is a high bar for each and every one of us. But I think it gives us an idea of how we're to model ourselves as Christians. I think that's what Paul is calling us to be mindful of in this Christ hymn when he quotes it. And being a Christian, like I said, is not easy. Living out our discipleship in Jesus is not easy. Pope Benedict once said, and I remember this quote from high school, that the world promises you comfort, that you were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness. I believe this church is made for greatness. I believe it's embarking in that greatness. And I believe the church, this church, God has good plans for. God has good plans for each and every one of us. And I wonder where the Holy Spirit might be calling us to do next. Being a Christian, being an apprentice to Christ, has been life-changing for me, and it's been hard work. Um, but I'm thankful uh, that as I have brokenness, probably more brokenness than many other people, but I'm just thankful that I've been having a Christian community to be able to lean on so that as Jesus rem remembers me, right, that I've slowly to become more healed and restored to newness of life. And I think that's what Paul's invitation is for the church, for us as the world, it's to be a place of remembering, of healing, of grace, of love, of strong community and support. 
to being able to celebrate the high times like yesterday when we celebrated two beautiful people getting married and living out the gospel message. And it's being with people through pain and suffering. People of grace, I'm so grateful to be a part of this community of love and peace and grace. And I can't wait to see whatever this church is able to accomplish in its future because it has a bright future because of each and every one of you. And my hope and prayer is that we can reverse Gandhi's quote about Christians and instead maybe have him saying, I love your Christ and your Christians because they are just like your Christ. May it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.